Welcome, everyone, to Rules of the Arena, episode 29. Uh, this episode is made possible by Blind Ninja Studios, where you can find this show and others, such as Department of Fence, Homebrew Bounds, Soundwave, and Legends of Lothos. This episode is also brought by to you by Duck Hill Workshop, a small-scale sawmill and builders of fine furniture. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, at Duck Hill Workshop. Don't forget to subscribe to their YouTube channel, where you can watch episodes of Workshop Wednesday and In the Shop with Glenn and Ben. In this studio, in studio with me this week is always super producer Casey, who's adjusting camera angles right now, and my co-host Ben has finally returned. Hello. The nurses restored his visitor passes <laughs> and travel privileges after the shenanigans in Spooner back in May. Oh God. <laughs> oh man, Grandpa, I'm glad you're back. On <laughs> More importantly, we are joined by Dr. Carl Calabrese. Did I say your last name right? You got it. Perfect. And his wife, Emily, is also here with us. She might pipe in. I'll try to draw you into the show eventually. Uh, It'll just be a laugh track. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Carl is the owner and founder of One Life Chiropractic based out of Prescott, Wisconsin, who is also, he's one of the OG fans from the arena God, oh, Wait, you two. have fans? Yeah. No. <laughs> Carl's wow. actually the first person to message me about it, too. Um, God, do it two years ago, and that's even when I had no direction. I still don't have any direction where this show is going. But <laughs> I didn't just say do it. it. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Carl, for coming down to the studio. Please just introduce yourself a little bit for everyone listening. Uh, he did a pretty good job. Like he, like uh, Gordon said, I'm Carl Calibers. I founded One Life Chiropractic in Prescott, Wisconsin. And I'm glad to be here. I'm not too exciting of a person, so. <laughs> That's <laughs> so what the beer's at. for. Yes. <laughs> so in layman's term, what is a chiropractor? Oh, great question. So chiropractic is the um, finding and correction of subluxation. So a chiropractor is someone who finds and corrects those subluxations. Now... That's a lot of information right there. Yeah, we're gonna simplify that a little <laughs> bit, and hopefully, I don't lose too many of you right here. Um, so, a subluxation. Uh, we'll start with the term luxation first. A luxation is a dislocation. So, everyone knows the term dislocation. A shoulder gets out of place, it falls way out. You dislocate it. You're in a bad mood. Apparently, Gordon's done that before. Twice. But Gordon's already uh, three times. In a bad mood. Oof. I'm a ray of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> so, On a cloudy day. <laughs> <laughs> so a subluxation is going to be less than a luxation. It is out of its normal working range of motion, but not completely out of the joint capsule. Um, yeah. yeah. Tore my rotator cuff twice, dislocated my right shoulder once. Oof. Not fun. Let's work on that. Don't <laughs> let your high school nurse put your shoulder back in socket. You will have problems later on. But she's a nurse in high school. Yeah, and now I can't throw a football. <laughs> well, Let's to be, be fair, you, you couldn't, couldn't either. <laughs> I, I could. It's not very far. Did you uh, strengthen your rotator cuff after that to prevent it from happening again? Sure. No. <laughs> I, the soup can, the Campbell's family size soup can became my best friend for about uh, a year and a half. Did you do Martins Lisi's rotator cuff workouts? So, yeah, I, I know what the motion you're doing. I haven't, haven't done <laughs> Yeah, I did physical therapy, and I worked with uh, Matt and Joel over at um, 
Best chiropractic up in Hudson. Oh, okay. I've heard good things about that. I, I don't mean to derail, but what the hell does a soup can have to do with anything? <laughs> because I couldn't pick up five pounds. I could pick up like a pound and a half maybe oh, okay. on a good day. So you start off with a tiny little sin- single serving soup can and you work your way up to the family size. Oh, uh-huh, okay. Mm. And then you get to do the power bands after that. That's when Ooh. you know you're making progress. <laughs> <laughs> when you look like a 45-year-old housewife? Yeah. At the gym? With the little five pound weight. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. Shake, shake weight practice. <laughs> he was getting okay. that. He was in high school. <laughs> Bazinga. So back to the uh, big words. <laughs> yeah. I think I broke Gordon. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like you're saying, the subluxation... So, so, yeah, that's what happened yeah. to me. Exactly. Yeah. I, I tore, uh, it was an impact injury. I was working with a new student in karate, and instead of hitting my collarbone chest, he hit my shoulder, blew my AC joint backwards, and my tore my rotator, two out of three tendons in my rotator cuff, and my collarbone went forward. Boy. Yeah, that was fun. That, that, that does not sound fun. <laughs> Gordon's, Gordon's version of that. fun is skewed. <laughs> Well, I mean, it wasn't so bad, except for I was still painting houses at the time, and I'd have to go set up 32-foot ladders by myself, and really fun when your arm's in a sling. Yeah. So, still disagree. When did you first uh, think about going to school to become a chiropractor, and what influenced that? Uh, so that actually didn't happen until my junior year of college, I believe. Um, so... I guess I'll go through my whole little story here, um, just so it makes sense. Uh, so my first experience with a chiropractor was when I was in high school. I got injured pole vaulting, and I went to a physical therapist for about two weeks. And the physical therapist said, okay, we're not getting anywhere with you. Um, nothing against physical therapists. That The problem was outside of uh, their wheelhouse. They did an amazing job to help me get going. Um, so they recommended I go to the chiropractor. They sent me down to the chiropractor uh, who was just on the next block. Um, lived on a small town and there was one option there. And he did what's called uh, diversified or general treatment chiropractic. Um, his goal was pain relief. He uh, would twist me, um, crack my low back, uh, put me up against the wall, crack my mid back, and I'd feel good for about two days at a time but it never really fixed the problem. It got me through um, it got me through the track season, which is what I cared about at that point. Um, and then we fast forward a couple months, I got to UW River Falls here and started training for the decathlon and I started getting low back pain again. So they sent me to a chiropractor, uh, Woody Fangmeyer at Innate Chiropractic. Um, and he does what's called the Gonstead system. And through that, he was able to figure out what was going on um, how to take care of it and how to keep me going through five years of beating up my body. Um, and he was the first one su- to suggest I become a chiropractor. At the time, I thought, nah, I want to be a physical therapist. Um, I kind of bounced around. I wanted to be an engineer. Um, turns out you have to be really good at math for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just to be successful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, having not a math-minded uh, brain, I nixed that pretty quick. I'm 100% uh, right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I 
knew a bunch of my teammates had gone to him. I saw how big of an impact he made in people's lives. I ended up going and shadowing him. Um, and he had a couple of people who I don't know if he planned it out this way, uh, but there were some almost what you'd call miracle cases uh, where people who should not have gotten better. Um, there was one lady who was in a coma for a while. I got to meet her, and she said because of him, she was able to talk again and able to um, move her hands again and, you know, just do normal day-to-day um, tasks. And that was really cool. It really put things into perspective. Uh, so he's the reason I ended up getting into it. He His little suggestion, shadowing him, seeing what he does, how he does it, uh, was very inspirational um, and got me interested. So, like you said, you thought about being an engineer, you're going for physical therapy. Was it hard to find a program, an undergrad program, that would support going into chiropractic? It was not. Um, I Since I was already at River Falls, uh, there were a couple different paths I could have taken, actually. So, River Falls had the exercise science um, in their health and human performance department which was one option, and then they had their uh, pre-chiropractic, pre-med in the um, biology department. So I ended up taking the biology route, and um, I was fortunate enough to have some good mentors who were able to help me through and um, guide me in the right direction to figure out what I needed to do there. Did they at least, did they have kind of a, an idea of what classes you need to take to go into a grad program? Or was it, well, we kind of think you need this because I went to UW Falls as well, but it was the history department and uh, <coughs> they're a little more loose over there. Yeah. Wait, you, you have a history degree? I didn't no, say that. because Gordon <laughs> likes to fight with people. No. And therefore he left Correct the university. Correct them. <laughs> <laughs> My fault you're on a high horse that I can kick. <laughs> so, no, um, they actually had they had a chiropractic-specific program, um, and they did what's called an... So the biology major was the key to, you know, start building it, and then they had what's called an interdisciplinary minor, where it was basically pick the classes that are required for your school to go into it, and they, you know, showed me exactly what those classes were that was needed The additional chemistry classes, the psychology classes that we, that we needed. Um, so they did an awesome job of setting me up, putting me on the right path to get accepted. Was the original plan to go to UW Falls, or were you looking at other universities? Uh, I looked at a couple. I looked at Mankato State and Wartburg, but I uh, just didn't like the feel of Mankato State. I just... When I went and did my visit, I just felt like a number, and Wartburg was like 30000 a year, so <laughs> that didn't seem like a super smart uh, move for me at the time either. And already being at River Falls, and you decided, well, I want to go from engineering to physical therapy to chiropractic, did you look at other schools during that process? Because, well, maybe River Falls doesn't have, you know, being a primarily an egg school, what if they don't have the program here? Should I start looking, or did you just immediately start talking to the people on campus? I just started talking to who I knew I needed to talk to. Um, I, you know, 
and I'll go back here a second. I actually originally came to River Falls to be an agronomist because um, I thought that would be really cool getting in and figuring out how to, uh, you know, create plants, genetically engineer plants that would grow in different environments, that kind of thing. Um, so I ended up not digging the... Uh, the uh, crop and soils class that I took right away there and ended up switching over to um, those other ones I mentioned, the physical therapy, the uh, thought of engineering. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't need to look around anymore. I knew that they had a program here. I just asked who I needed to ask. I had a very good advisor in the health and human performance department who I asked him and he instantly told me who to go talk to, uh, who I needed to check with. Um, and he was, he was great. And, you know, once graduate, I mean, did it push you back? I know with, you have, you have your gen ed classes, but and then of course the required courses. I mean, how far did it push your graduation date back or were you still able to use a lot of those previous credits? That's a great question. <laughs> um, cause I have 48 credits of electives that didn't transfer. Okay. Oh, no, my my classes all transferred. Um, they're all useful, but the problem that I ran into, and I got in a nice argument with, ooh, who was it? See, Ben, I'm not the only one. Yeah, <laughs> I got in a nice argument with someone in one of the offices. I honestly don't remember who it was. Um, and I tried to get her to specially let me into class. I had one semester where I took zero classes that went towards my major because all of the classes that I hadn't taken that would count um, were filled already. I think that was the second semester of my sophomore year. So I ended up basically wasting a semester just getting, I think I got one class that ended up counting um, as a general. And that was really the only, only issue I had there. Um, and then I had gotten injured in track. I think I pulled my hamstring uh, one year, so I ended up having an extra season of eligibility. So I didn't mind sticking around for another year. Plus, I loved going to school here. So I ended up taking five years, but I really didn't mind it too much. So then once you graduated, what's it look like trying to find a grad program at that point? Um, I, mean, I mean, how many schools were you looking at? How many did you apply to? Yeah, I actually ended up only applying to one. I applied to Northwestern. Um, so there's a couple different Northwesterns in the area. There's obviously the big one down in Illinois. Uh, there's Northwestern, the uh, Christian Bible School in Roseville, I think that is. And then Northwestern Health Sciences University in Bloomington, which is the one I went to. Um, that was the only school I applied to. I, the lady sitting next to me was a big reason for that. I didn't want to have to go far away from her. Um, and I figured if I didn't get in there, I'd go find a job working in a lab because I really liked lab work too. Um, so that wasn't too tough. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get into Northwestern and you know, went through all my grad schooling there. How much, How long did you spend in grad school at that point? I know from what I under, like, so I, the reason I met Carl is through my old roommate, Kevin, who went to, also went to Northwestern in Bloomington. I know he took the 
I want to kill myself route uh, doing trimesters. Is that standard down there, or that is can standard? You do? Yep. So yeah, definitely that I want to kill myself route. It was <laughs> so a normal. Is it build as that or? <laughs> no, it it's all be. their marketing material. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember not having a roommate for like two months of every, well, the end of every year when he's going through the exams and well, all that. Sounds jazz. amazing. <laughs> I heard the door open, but yeah. nobody's here. <laughs> So the way they build it was, hey, this is a five-year program, and we're going to get you through in three and a third. Um, Wolf. Yeah. It ended up... It should be a red flag. Like, yeah. Some people are going to be like, this is great. That should be a red flag. Yeah. And it's like, this trail is short, but it's really fucking steep. Well, to be fair, have you ever been a smart college student? No. <laughs> That's why we do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And when you went to the um, when you went to the initiation, uh, uh, exploring the campus day, they made it sound like it was the greatest thing ever. You don't have to waste your time. You can get out of here quick and get right to your career of being a chiropractor. And it was, I mean, it was tough. It was awful. Um, and it was year round. Uh, I think we had about two or three weeks off between trimesters, and then so. We just keep going all summer. Um, fortunately, they made the summer uh, semesters a little lighter, so we averaged about I think twenty one credits a semester or a trimester. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think we started out the first semester. We had twenty four credits um, on the first trimester, and an average, like a full load at an undergrad, is considered fifteen. So, we'd be in class from eight a.m. until four or five p.m. Um, partake mostly in a, a an auditorium that had no windows. So it was <laughs> in the winter. I'd go. I'd go about you know weeks without seeing light um which is proven to be bad for you actually we, yeah uh, uh, so they, they, they were somewhat they were some cranky sad years <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah you'd think they'd install like sunlight lighting or something so you're still getting the vitamin d well not to interrupt you when we went to alaska <clears> we <throat> stayed at a and b and the, one of the the owner he is a superintendent for anchorage okay and they have the the suicide rate is really high in the winter in Alaska because of the lack of sunlight. That's why they have mandatory break time when there is sun out for you know for that hour hour and a half whatever the case may be, and you have to go eat lunch or do whatever in the particular room with the sun coming through. Hmm. Oh. That makes sense. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Wish they did that. With that. No, we actually our cafeteria had a lot of light in it. There were a bunch of big natural windows. Um, that was about the most light I saw, I guess, during that time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we'd be in class from 8 in the morning till 4 at night, and then uh, 4 or 5, depending on the day, and then I'd go home to eat, um, which, again, I'm in grad school. And I think I figured out I fed myself for about $3 a day. Um, two days a week I ate half a pizza, <laughs> uh, like a frozen pizza, so not a... Like a Roma, so when Jack's goes on <laughs> for <laughs> ten for ten, yeah, grad school sounds like shit. <laughs> Believe me, yeah, that was that. my wife's in it right now. So. Yeah, going going to grad school to be a health professional, and that was the least healthy I ever was. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, so we'd, we'd be in there for hours, and then after I'd eat, uh, normally, you know, I'd kill a little time sitting at home just to not go back. And then I'd go back to school and study in the library until 10 or 11 o'clock at night, uh, whatever time they kicked us out, um, and then repeated it all the next day. So that was, that was long. Um, I think our second semester was 27 credits or something like that so double a normal load um, but I am very happy to have gotten through it in only three and a third years instead of having to take the whole five um, it was very front-loaded too so the first like five semesters were just awful and then uh, I'm really painting a picture it's actually, <laughs> no, I, I'm the it's five is looking school. better and better <laughs> all the time yeah like take the five it sounds like yeah if you would like to live and breathe something else other than school mm-hmm. it, it was actually a great program I'm happy I went um, but yeah it was long it was tough as we got uh, farther into it I think our sixth trimester we started doing internship we started with uh, another student when we were in our fifth trimester um, T5 we called it and then T6 for the six uh, six we started being able to go out and interning um, and we had seven eight uh, nine and ten where we were also out and it it just progressively got to be more time in the clinic setting and less time in the classroom. So I think T9, we had one day of classes and then the rest was clinic time, which was awesome. Um, It was really cool being able to learn from uh, different mentors. So I did most of my interning with uh, Dr. Jeff Lavelle at Specific Family Chiropractic Um, and that man is a genius. He gets flown around the country and around the world to uh, give talks on nutrition and teach different things there. Um, I was very fortunate to have learned what I learned from him. He's also a Gonstead chiropractor, which I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and it was great there. And then my 10th trimester was only an externship. I think we had to go back once um for an hour of class or something like that and i did that with uh woody and river falls here so um that was awesome to be able to spend that time with my mentor learning from him uh what did you have a trimester where you're working with cadavers yeah, we two? did. We had two of those. Oh, you're like learning to adjust dead people? No. no <laughs> dead was... people are super well adjusted. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin would come back home all geeked out because he just worked with a dead body and start describing it in detail to me. And I'd like, hey, I just spent all this time preparing this dinner and here's this nice steak. And look at that. I'm fucking done. <laughs> Go into my bedroom. Here, have a steak, Kevin, you jackass. That's kind of like, that that like, like a red flag. I'm, well, so in Kevin's defense, he is a redhead. You should have known that was coming. He doesn't have a soul. Um, but, yeah, the cadavers, so that was our first two trimesters, and that was a really cool experience. The first time you cut into a dead body, it was, yeah, we're going there. It was really weird. It was kind of uncomfortable. I didn't sleep very well uh, the night before and the couple nights after. Um Emily, you look like but you enjoyed it as much it as I did. It was so stinky. Yeah. I didn't even love with them, but... <laughs> yeah. 
So the the smell of formaldehyde got into everything. Ah, um, so just like I mean, biology class. Yeah. 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 Just um, with a human being on the table. Well, I mean, it's just or what's left of one. I toss cookies me. trying to dissect a frog. I'm not going to go near a dead body. <laughs> yeah. Gordon, super, how do you fish or hunt? It's cool, though. I don't hunt. <laughs> oh, you're losing your libertarian cred as we speak. I don't... Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I outsource. It's the American way. Uh, <laughs> my meat comes from the grocery store. Uh, no, from <clears throat> friends and family members that also hunt and mm. don't lock their garage doors. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a ribeye in eleven dollars and seventy-five cents. <laughs> Is that why those tweakers broke into you? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the it was really cool. Uh, you learned a lot from cutting up a. Person. I mean, is that basically, it's just anatomy class? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. was anatomy. And I, I remember the first day of anatomy class, our teacher goes, all right, if you've taken anatomy class before, you haven't taken anatomy. Um, and he was very correct. It was the most intense. We had to know where every muscle connected, what it did, um, what nerve innervated it. And the stuff you'd expect us to know. Um, <laughs> like um, Mel Brooks. Um, Dead and loving it, where Van Helsing has a timer going to see how how long it takes for the whole class to pass out. I'm have not, you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, you need to see that. All right, well we'll add that in. It's also one of the hardest I'm classes to take Brooks your fan. homework home with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. You just that. carry this cadaver home. <laughs> Get pulled yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just homework. Yeah. <laughs> One of our test questions in that class was following a drop of blood um, from the foot, and we had to talk about every artery or every vein that it passed through on the way back to the heart. Cool, Dexter. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was difficult. Um, so you mentioned yeah. the Gonstead system. At what point and how many type? at what point did they start telling you here's different systems of chiropractics and how many types are there? That's a really okay. good question. And yeah. following on that, what like what's the hierarchy of them? Like what is the best system of chiropractic and what is or is that more <clears throat> like this is, is what like, this is where you I got think seventeen chiropractors you can get different answers. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. This is where I think medicine gets really, really fascinating. Yep. Yeah. So th that's a oh, that's an awesome topic to talk about. So I knew I wanted to be a gunstar chiropractor going in because that's what I had seen huge success with. Let's talk about what it Question. is first. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Gonstead system was started by Dr. Clarence Gonstead. Um, he was from Mount Hoyle, Wisconsin. Uh, originally a mechanical engineer, so there's that engineering uh, connection that really fascinated me. Um, is he still alive? Because he, I know they do the, the conference down, down in Mount Hoyle still. Yeah, he is not still alive. He died in... Ooh, I should know this... I'm not going to try to guess. Uh, late 70s, early 80s. I'm embarrassed. What was his name again? Uh, Clarence Gonstead. Um, Clarence Gonstead died in... Uh, 78. 78. So he was, uh, like I said, he was originally a mechanical engineer. He developed rheumatoid arthritis, uh, got some help from a chiropractor, and thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I want to do this. So he went to chiropractic school. He went to Palmer at the time, which was in Iowa. Um, I think that that was the original chiropractic school ever. Um, and he ended up 
going, okay, how can I make this better? So he took his engineering principles and applied them to chiropractic and came up with this whole system. And it wasn't an instant, you know, oh, this is what I need to do. It took years and years and years to refine. Um, and the whole point of it was find it, fix it, leave it alone. He wanted to figure out what was going on, um, how to take care of it, and how to make it so they didn't have to constantly come back. Now, um, the biggest difference between what he was doing and what most other chiropractors were doing is his focus was on the disc. So the disc is in between each vertebra. Um, it's the inside of it is a gel-like substance the outside are kind of like the cables that hold it in place um, this uh, mechanism if you think of it like a jelly donut um, my favorite analogy is if you were to take a, um, a ziploc bag blow it up seal it off put your hand on top of it you can kind of wiggle back and forth uh, move around and that allows the spine to move it allows you to bend forward to turn look up look down all of that fun stuff um, now his goal was focused on this so because that was the unstable part of the joint complex when a bone gets out of place it comes backwards um, and so his goal what he figured out was you set that forward that'll take pressure off the nerve now when that disc comes backwards sometimes the disc can put direct pressure on the nerve but it doesn't necessarily have to to get uh, to get the response that, that you need um, or that causes these different symptoms, whatever they may be, whether it's pain, uh, whether it's... I've had a few people with gut health issues um, because of this nerve pressure, uh, a lot of people with acid reflux. Um, and the... So the disc doesn't necessarily have to put pressure on the nerve, um, because the inflammation chemicals that come in uh, are found to be acidic. So the acid touching those nerves can be enough to cause that irritation. Hmm. So my goal as a Gonset chiropractor is to lift the bone back on top of the disc, restore proper movement to the disc to allow that nerve to be freed up and uh, function how it needs to be. Um, so we have a couple different tools for figuring out how to do this. Um, first one that I've run, I have a little tool called the Nervoscope. I've run it every time. Feel free to look it up if you guys are at home listening. Uh, Is that the chart where it comes out like white, green, red? So it's it's like a simpler <clears throat> version of that. Okay. Uh, so there's those uh, subluxation station is the big version of that and they'll do that on a computer um, a lot of places will use that as a selling point to say oh look at how imbalanced your nerves are um, the nervoscope is just a little uh, it's got two little probes um, that kind of look like your I don't know two if you look at it like two little prongs two little prongs you kind of look like legs sticking out of a body um, and then there's a needle that sits in a casing above that and the needle should stay in the middle when I run it down someone's spine that needle either stays in the middle or just off to one side when I hit a spot where um, the nerve is irritated the 
needle will shoot over and it'll come back so that helps that lets me know that okay this is where I need to look this is where that nerve is impinged um, this is where I need to check so what is what is that device measuring like oh, when it's going question. down uh, heat temperature okay. temperature so mm. um, when a I'm much better with a model and when I have the actual thing in front of me so this is difficult for me to describe because I'm so used to doing that um, <laughs> when a uh, nerve, nerve should be firing at about the same rate, but when a nerve gets interfered with, it's going to change, um, it's going to tell the skin what to do differently, it's going to tell the blood vessels what to do differently. So when that nerve gets interfered with, normally the first thing that happens is it tells the blood vessels to increase blood flow to the area because they're trying to uh, cause that or bring in fresh nutrients to fix the injury um, to help it adapt, fix the healing. So at the beginning, when you go down, that needle comes over and comes back. It normally goes over to the hot side. Um, or it will go over to the hot side, but it comes over to the side where the injury is on. But as that becomes prolonged and it's there for, I don't know the exact time, it varies with everyone but eventually that nerve will start to desensitize um, and that'll end up being the colder side so as you go down the needle goes over comes back um, based on temperature and lets me know okay this is where I need to look I don't care which way the needle goes because like I said if it's there for a long time it's going to go one way if it's an acute injury it's going to go the other it just helps me narrow in on where I need to look closer at uh, so the next thing that we'd take a look at is I'll poke in there, I'll check for motion, um, and I'll check for pain. So normally you'll get tenderness if I were to poke right on the spinous process. It'll say, okay, this kind of hurts. Um, I'll be able to feel it and see how it moves. Then I'll go to the one above it, see if there's any more pain there, see if uh, there's any difference with how it moves on that one compared to the one above the one below um, and I normally try to check a couple just so I can get used to um, Understanding what a normal motion is for this person and then after that we um, Now I don't uh, x-ray is another big part of it now. I don't have an x-ray because those are like fifty thousand dollars <laughs> um, Is that it? Yeah. Get two. Yeah. Uh, so I send people up to River Falls to uh, Woody again for that. Um, and that helps to show me, okay, this is exactly what's going on. Now, with the Gonstead system, we do specific x rays. We have an x ray that goes uh, from uh, the basically the eyes down to the bottom of the pelvis so that we can see what the entire spine is doing all at once. Um, a lot of places will just take sections so if someone has low back pain a lot of other chiropractors or a lot of medical facilities will just take pictures of that low back but I want to see what's happening everywhere um, sometimes people with low back pain it it happens all because of something in their upper neck if their upper neck is shifted off a little bit it shifts their equilibrium over to one side or the other 
and that's enough to cause i've seen a couple people come in with really bad low back muscle spasms um, and it's because their upper neck is shifted off so that can kinda, create the issue with the low back kind of that old uh, children's song that you know the leg bones attached to the hip bone mm-hmm. hip bones attached to the back yeah oh. yeah um so it's it's really quite fascinating when something like that happens uh and then, so on top of the x-ray, then we also go, we'll sit down, we'll talk, we'll ask, obviously symptoms are going to be important, what's bugging you, um, and, you know, if someone's having low back pain, obviously you're going to look at the low back, you're going to check that too. Uh, so the Gonset system encompasses all of these things, um, puts them all together, and the sweet spot is going to be the vertebra uh, that or the nerve root that um, all of these help point to and help show this is this is what we need to work on. Um, so it's a whole system of diagnosing and then the adjustments are very specific. When I go to adjust someone, it's only moving under my hand. It's not going to move, like I'm not twisting your low back. I'm not getting it to move all the way up and down. I'm not trying to make as much noise as I can. I'm just trying that's to move That's something I noticed when I first started seeing I've gone to a, uh, at least a half dozen different chiropractors, and under Gonston, I don't hear that crack. I'm like, where's the crack? There's mm-hmm. supposed to be a crack sound. But that's what I found kind of different, you know, especially going from Matt and Joel. I mean, they both have their very different systems, but especially under Joel, uh, when I tore my rotator cuff and he had to put my collarbone back into socket, Yeah, that is a world of hurt and sound like a brick of black cats going on <laughs> yeah yeah the collarbone that does not feel good and a lot of times i'll still get noised with the adjustment um, most of the time i do but it's going to be very isolated to uh, one spot um, and that kind of thing so continuing on with the gonsted system here so all of that stuff put together uh, mastered over a number of years he ended up um, having a lab in his um, in his clinic as well so that he could figure out okay um, if I were to move the hip this way if I were to move the pelvis this way what's going to happen how's it going to affect the rest of the spine um, so when we do our x-rays we mark them up very specifically uh, so that we can see okay if this person has a short leg um, how's it going to affect everything else if this person has a rotated pelvis and it makes it appear that the leg is short, do they actually have a short leg or is it purely because the pelvis is rotated in a way that makes it look that way? And I've had a couple people um, who I've sent for x-ray thinking, okay, they definitely have a short leg, but they've come back and it's been, their pelvis was just so rotated that all the symptoms came up because of a short leg. So you adjust the Uh, pelvis in that direction and these symptoms go away it's pretty cool when that happens too i love when i'm wrong when i (laughs) send out for an x-ray because i can always learn from it um and then using this system uh dr gonstead ended up becoming so successful that in 1964 he built a million dollar clinic now a million dollars is a lot of money now it was a heck of a lot more back then and that clinic had a waiting room that could sit 150 people and was almost always full. I think he had 12 adjusting rooms. Um, like I said, he had a lab in the basement. He had x-ray. A year later, he built the hotel at his right by his clinic so people could, um, could stay there while being treated. He built a landing strip at his house so people could fly <laughs> directly into Mount Horeb to see him. So he's like 
the chiropractic version of Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and right. funny you say that. Mayo Clinic would refer a lot of their low back patients down to him huh. uh, before doing just, surgery. And I saw uh, just recently Mayo Clinic has actually put chiropractors on staff. Yes, and they have. From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, they're one of the first major hospitals to do that, or at least part of the AMA. Yeah, as far as I know, they're one of the first. I think there's, oh, where's the other one? There's another one in, I want to say Ohio, um, that's done that as well. So on the inflation question, uh, $8.2 <laughs> $8. million in today's money. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then kind of going on that um, AMA thing, like... The American Medical yeah, Association. Yeah, the American Medical... Uh, so there's been a lot of contention uh, in the past and even in recent years with uh, chiropractics as a holistic or alternative medicine, mm-hmm. and now it's being embraced. Have you seen a change in that, like, since the time that you've been... Great question. So some, it's tough to say because a lot of that's, that change has been happening, um, you know, right before I started in school. But you still hear a lot of people who will go to some of the older doctors who've been around for a while. And a lot of them still have a lot of pushback. Um, but I did have a patient recently who was having some uh, pretty bad low back stuff in he said he, he told his doctor that he's been getting a lot of help from a chiropractor. So the doctor said, okay, keep going if that helps, but don't go too much. So that right there tells me, okay, he knows that there's benefit to it, but he also knows that uh, some chiropractors who do these different systems um, or different techniques uh, tend to drag things does. out. So mm-hmm. having having the different techniques, um, like yeah. when we really haven't touched on the different systems, but mm-hmm. um, does that, like, so there's been a lot of um, talk about how, like, a lot of the systems aren't scientifically valid, like they're not, the results aren't reproducible yeah. uh, with, over large studies. <clears throat> yeah, um, do you think Western that, touch on that? Yeah, or, and do you think that hurts chiropractic as a whole? Absolutely, it hurts chiropractic as a whole. Um, and uh, my candid opinion is because some of those systems are not very good. Um, some of those systems are all about, there's one or two that I can think of that I know um, decently well that their job is to get people to come back again and again mm-hmm. and again and again and not necessarily help them, but and as a patient, make a I've lot of money. Like Short term pain relief. Yeah. Yeah. Like taking an ibuprofen. Like, I was referred to a chiropractor <clears throat> because I had a rugby injury mm-hmm. and I kind of now being older and more experienced, I kind of like, I'll give you a six month window. Yeah. If I'm not seeing consistent improvement, I'm going to go to the next guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with how I do it, my goal is uh, I expect to see major changes in three visits. Um, most of the time, if I don't see that, I go, okay, I'm missing something. So uh, depending on you know depending on what we find in the exam. So if exam shows, okay, you possibly have a herniated disc, well, that's going to take a little bit longer. Um, but most of the time I try to get, I expect results really quick. Um, I've had, you know, because I don't have an x-ray, oftentimes I'll work with people two or three times. If we don't see that result, I'll say, okay, I'm missing something. I need that x-ray. Um, and that's definitely a big part of it. Uh, 
the one system that I was talking about before, um, they make absurd claims like, ooh, see this spot here? This is uh, T5. T5 goes to your lungs. If this, if you don't come in every week for the rest of your life, uh, you're gonna have cancer because of that. <laughs> and that's like that totally does a disservice. Only in California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be fair. Everything in California gives you cancer. Yeah. So to back it up a little bit, how many yeah. different systems are there? Um, and does Northwestern or did Northwestern for you say here are X number that work, but these Y are just snake oil salesmen? Or they do they kind of leave it more for interpretation rather than trying to influence you to go one direction or the other? Oh, lovely question. Um, there are, I guess, if we were to look it up right now, um, I know, you know, for a couple of years I've been saying there's over 150 different name techniques. I know there's at least 150. I don't know exactly what that number is up to now because um, so many people will come out with something new that uh, takes you know, parts of other ones, puts them together, figures out what they like, what they don't like, what works for them. Um, did you find a number? I'm trying. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, no, I haven't found an actual number. I just found lots of lists. Okay. And nobody wants to put a number on it. Yeah. <laughs> you get like the five most common and then a list of like two, three. Hundred. How many, to, to break it down, how many does Northwestern offer to teach or at least give you a focus point on? Um, so they specifically teach one, uh, they teach, they specifically, like their main focus is on the diversified, um, which plucks stuff from a whole bunch of different techniques. Um, so, and makes it easy to teach. Uh, but they have different clubs that are options. Um, the activators, a big one that they'll talk quite a bit about, and they actually teach us a little bit about that. So activator is using a little tool. It's called an activator. It's a bastard. <laughs> Especially if you had torn rotator cuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've I actually had one guy do something called torque release technique, which is very similar to an activator. Uh, he did, and he focused just on the upper neck. And it actually um, made a difference pretty quick, which was cool. But I don't know; it's not as exciting to me. Um, there's that's the main one they talk about. They'll talk about Gonstead a little bit, but they mention it. It's more so as uh, this is what it was: the teacher who taught the class that was supposed to dive into these different techniques actually incorrectly taught a few of the. <laughs> pieces of it um as she was talking uh the so those are the main ones there's a little bit of there's a class called or there's a technique called uh nuca which is the national upper cervical chiropractic association um and they're one that i find absolutely fascinating they have amazing results their whole focus is on aligning the um the occiput so the head the atlas, so the first vertebrae on your neck, and the axis, the second vertebrae on your neck. Their whole goal is to, um, is to align those, and they get absolutely amazing, incredible results. Um, I took a class on that, and I volunteered to be the patient because I'm going to learn better. I'm very much hands-on visual learner, so by being the patient for that, I learned quite a bit. I 
felt incredible after doing that. Um, it, it never quite fixed my pelvis for me. Uh, my hips never quite got where I, I know they can be um, through my Gonstead system training and uh, my Gonstead chiropractor, but the rest of me felt as good as I've ever felt. So they're one that I have immense respect for. Um, I've actually had, I think, two patients that I've referred to a uh, a Nuka doctor um, when I ran out of options and when I couldn't get them better. Um, so that's that's one of the programs that I I really like. I think is cool. You say Nuka, and I can't help but picture a doctor from like Fallout Three. <laughs> <laughs> Nuka Cola. If you keep drinking it, you're gonna heal yourself, <laughs> <laughs> and you get money each time you do one. Yeah. <laughs> so what, I mean, you mentioned earlier that the chiropractor that you saw focused on the Gonstead system yep. when you went to school, and you're now introduced to the you know the that did you diversify? Yep. What made you want to focus on the Gonstead? Uh, um, it was my results from him um, and seeing how he how much of a effect he had on other people like I mentioned before um, when we started uh, so this is another story here one of the like when we first started learning adjustments we practiced them on each other so chiropractic school was like the worst my spine has ever if we felt <laughs> um, <laughs> not a bisque commercial <laughs> um, is we sure? <laughs> ooh that sounds delicious um, <laughs> so <laughs> Gordon keep your show on top uh, easy, easy to get off here <laughs> very professional outfit it's always easy for Gordon to get off <sighs> Bazinga. <laughs> Next. Well, especially since he went to a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> be a really awkward exam. <laughs> <laughs> we did have to learn to do that kind of exam as well. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing stories about that. Did it end I happily? I don't I'm want... so curious now. <laughs> <laughs> I have so it's many questions. adjust your tailbone, from what I understand. Uh, the very watered down version. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we just like hit on like some PTSD territory. Like, <laughs> no, no. They did. They did teach us sort of how to do an internal tailbone adjustment. Oh. So that's just a prostate massage, then, right? Uh, you flip your finger the other way, but yes. <laughs> Does it have the same result? Uh, <laughs> I guess I don't know. This interview has taken a turn. I'm surprised it took us this long. Fortunately, that's not one that we had to do on each other. We had, or on You do it on yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Worst reach round I've ever had. But, I'm not that flexible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, so the male exam. Was, uh, <laughs> before we went in, the teacher did say, "Now, after you do this, if you turn your hand around, you'll be able to tickle the inside of the tailbone, and you should all try that because that feels kind of cool." 
Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's that that So happened. your teacher was like well, so if this doesn't work out, sex work is... <laughs> <laughs> if you find the right clientele. That's just the other side of the clinic, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a guy in the cities, I forget exactly where he is, Burnsville maybe, uh, who only does internal coccyx adjustments. He charges like $150 a time. Um, okay, so to be specific, yes. what, what is an internal coccyx adjustment for? Uh, so, yeah, so if the coccyx, which is the very bottom part of the tailbone. It's the uh, remnants of our tail. Yes, the remnants of our tail. <laughs> um, if that, if you land on that too hard and that can separate from the sacrum um, and the tip of it can move forward uh, in comparison to where it should be, your finger goes right inside where you'd think it would go uh, and you give it a little tug backwards um again not something i've done not something i do in my clinic <laughs> but it it's something that they at least told us about um and told us how to do oh, is it is it to relieve pain is it to relieve like erectile dysfunction is it like what is what's the benefit of you know, doing that's a great it? question as far as i know just pain <clears throat> okay. um that's the only thing we talked about it for. I imagine it can have other effects as well. Uh, I haven't heard anything specifically on, but it, it very well could affect ED as well. well I was just curious. No, it's a great question. Yeah, I'd yeah, I'll vouch for surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I really don't know. I mean, Gordon, it's an invasive thing yeah. for the most part. I want to be like, knocked smooth out <laughs> under gas. Oh, 40's going to be a rough year for you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll be dead by 50, 55. I'm shooting for 60. So with, I like I said, I've gone to many different chiropractors. Yeah. I mean, at your office, do you use any machines to help? Like I've gone to, I've used rolling tables, drop tables, e-stim to kind of help loosen up oh, God, the muscles. Oh, God, I love e-stim. Yes. So uh, I just got a portable unit at home, and I've burned out like three sets of batteries already. A little TENS unit? Yeah. Yeah, those are nice. Um, no, I do not. I I have a... So I've got a couple of unique pieces of equipment. Um, what? No. Just unplug something. Oh. My wife was kicking me. I didn't know why. <laughs> Probably something shut up, you shut said. Up. <laughs> I was trying to be subtle, but... Yeah. No, that's... We, we don't where do you're sitting, Emily, is cursed. I, I sat there doing nothing. My feet were still, and all of a sudden the cords wrapped around my leg. Like, what is going on? Oh, so it'll be my fault. <laughs> Again, that's just you, Gordon. <laughs> no, Brian, that's why he has the clip, if you see Brian. Yeah, no, we have all. the clip for, to fix Gordon's problem. <laughs> Brian's problem. <laughs> I sit here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. What was the question? Uh, what kind of equipment do you use? Oh, yes. Uh, so my I have specific Gonstead tables. Um, I have something called a cervical chair, which has a back, so a seat back that can go up and down. Um, that's where I start people every time. Uh, so I can run that little nervous scope up and down their spine. I can see, uh, you know, start figuring out. Um, that's where I'll do most of my... Um, my analysis each time they come in and then i have a what's called a pelvic bench which is a uh cloth covered table so i have two cloth covered tables um and that makes it so that when i go to adjust someone i don't have to rely on pinning their shoulder back 
because that puts the spine out of a neutral position and it twists the spine a little bit too much. Um, so again, I want to be as specific as possible. You twist the spine, it's tough to be as specific as possible. So the cloth table just gives me a little bit more control. I can adjust uh, the segment straight forward. Um, and then I have something called a high-low table, which it starts standing up. So someone will step onto a platform, um, put their hands and face on a spot, and then it slowly goes down. And uh, it the really nice thing about this table is the chest piece um, moves out of the way. It's spring-loaded. So when I go to adjust someone's mid-back, I'm not crushing their ribs, which I really appreciate when I'm on one of those tables compared to when I'm just on a flat table getting adjusted. And then I have something called a knee chest table, which is a very Gonstead specific table. Um, I don't use it a ton because it puts people in kind of an uncomfortable position. Um, it's basically like you're down on all fours. Uh, but it does it works super well to adjust the mid back uh low back i can adjust anything on there um and it's one of the best tables i can use but like i said i don't like to use it too much because it's kind of uncomfortable um to have your tushy up in the air <laughs> um, and then with the uh, as I mentioned, the cervical chair at the beginning, too. It's called cervical chair because that's where I adjust the neck. Um, so most chiropractors that you go to, when they adjust the neck, they'll lay you down on a table um, and twist your head uh, to get the motion to get that noise in your neck. But as I mentioned at the beginning, my goal is to affect the disc. And in order to get the correct angle to lift the bone back on top of the disc, if someone's lying on their back, you have to have, um, you, you basically have to lean down at such an angle that the shoulders get in the way in order to lift. Uh, so it's really impractical to do it that way. There are a few times where that's the only way I've been able to get someone's neck to move. And that actually has only been one time that's been the case. But, um, it, so it sometimes that is the best way to go because it's all about the patient. It's all about what way can you help the patient the best. But most of the time I adjust them in the chair sitting up. Uh, it allows me to be more specific to move only the, like I said, move only the bone I want, affect the disc I want, and a lot of people find it less intimidating um, because there's not the big twisting motion involved. And it's safer because not twisting... Um, also reduces uh, stress on the vertebral arteries, um, which can do some damage if they're weakened already. Hmm. Uh, and you've mentioned, you know, you did track in high school and your pole vaulter, and you're now working with the local school uh, gym supervisor, was it? Uh, yeah, so it was weight so, room supervisor yeah. last year. So uh, with that, do you see more patients that are former or current athletes coming to you? Or do you work with more people that might have had a, a routine an injury, like they, they fell off a ladder or maybe they were in an accident? Or, well, also, is there <clears throat> an ethical question there? Like, can you recommend kids that you're working with to come to your clinic? 
And that's always the uh, struggle that I run into. Um, in my opinion, I would rather have them come to me because I am going to get them better quick. Um, I'm going to get them... Oh, this is an awkward spot. Uh, you see them outside of just what they can tell you at the clinic, too. Yeah, yeah. So that gives it... And in my opinion, I can get them better quicker are you are you covered under hipaa like is that something you have to worry about yes okay yep yep so in my there's two other chiropractors in town um one of them does a really good job the other one is one of those that kind of strings people along um i'm gonna not go into who's who uh we should talk about that later because my wife goes frequently well we'll talk about that off air yeah 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 Yeah, that's what i meant Um, i I don't need a lawsuit i can't afford that right now got a ticket to pay off yeah so i i feel like i can get them better quicker so i will um or if they already if i know they already go to someone i just say okay go see your chiropractor let them if they're not going to somebody, you'll suggest you. But yeah. it like for you, is that an ethical issue at all? Where because you're dealing with them outside of that, and then you're like, I guess um, you're you're doing it from one position of authority and being like, hey, you should go see me in this other position of authority. Do you see any? Abs- absolutely, okay. I see that, and and that's the main reason why I feel uncomfortable suggesting that. So okay. a lot of people, I won't but if they ask i'll say yes this is um i try not to push it uh i don't push it unless no it seems like a very difficult position to be in. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but it it's a good uh, on the flip side it's really nice chance for me to build a relationship um with you know that's not why i do this but it's yeah a potential patient yeah yeah yeah. Um, but it, it is it's a unique situation where you can see you can make an adjustment and then you can see them yeah, you can see the direct result. Yeah, yeah. and and most of the time um, with someone who has this, I try to give them. I'll give them stretches. I'll give them exercises they can do uh, in the weight room so that they can do that bef- instead of coming to see me. And then uh, you know, as almost like a preventative. Yeah. Yep. And about half the time, that takes care of it itself. Oh, awesome! And that's, that's been a big one for me because I've seen yeah. chiropractors that I ask, oh, "How do I?" keep this from happening down the road they're like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but Comes more recently the chiropractor has to talk to like do this this and this and even my physical therapist you know they hey how, how are you coming along on your homework yeah great <laughs> that's the that, that's the great that homework. gordon has given every employer and teacher he's ever had <laughs> yeah how's this project i gave you it was due yesterday uh, it's going great there's a project <laughs> Yeah, so the goal, like I said, is always find it, fix it, leave it alone. I want to. I don't want them to have to come back. Um, cause in my opinion, the more I have to see them, the worse job I'm doing. So, kind of mm-hmm. leading off of that, yeah. Um, we've we've talked about the different like other 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 schools of chiropractic. Schools might be the right word. I don't mm-hmm. like. Um, so. Joe Schmo going into a new chiropractor's office. Are there any like big warning flags that you'd be like, if if somebody promises you this or says this or is gonna do this thing, turn around, leave, find somebody else. Ooh. You and uh, I'm not asking to name names. I'm just no, I'm not. I like, no, yeah. um. I think if you're uncomfortable with what they're asking you to do, 
whether it's monetary wise or time wise, if you feel like it's too much, that should be a red flag to you. Okay. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm glad she's here because <laughs> <laughs> no. But is is there any like um, and and from like this is a 100 opinion based. Yeah. But is there is there any like procedure or something or like if they're like oh well or if they promise like well this will cure your cancer cancer or whatever like it's oh, definitely a red flag if, if you hear someone say that um, like over promising is a big one well yeah. yeah well so that's illegal first of all um, <laughs> to make to make a claim like that uh, so one of the how does homeopathy the, get away the, with it? I'm just saying. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so one of the big legal and ethical and um, uh, philosophical points of chiropractic is chiropractors do not cure anything. Hmm. Um, we simply remove subluxation, remove uh, nerve interference so that the body can function its best. And we believe that the human body is going to treat itself. So you um, treat the symptom, not the disease. We treat the cause of the symptom, and the disease is a symptom. Okay. So if we can treat the cause of a symptom um, and it happens to help the disease or dis-ease is the philosophical term um that's kind of what we do so like you know someone comes in with bronchitis i'm not going to adjust a spot and fix the bronchitis i'm going to adjust a spot if i find one that correlates um that is going to hopefully help the body help itself more that being said if you have bronchitis, you should probably go see a medical doctor. <laughs> and, and I guess I, that's, I said that's a kind of a follow-up question on that. Do you have people who come in and they think that you're going to be able to treat their disease and then or their 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 issue, and you're like, you should probably go see a general practitioner and get some sort of like antibiotic or something. Yes. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That hasn't happened a ton, but I think I've had it two or three times. Um, in my two years of practice now, uh, where that's that's been the case. Um, well, I think you made the important statement. Like, you might make an adjustment and it might help. Yeah. But it's corollary. Yes. Like, that's not causation or, or correlation. Yeah. Correlation isn't causation. causation. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and that's that happens. Um, I'm not going to claim to. Well, you can see that you can you can think from yeah. the idea that like. You know, if someone's breathing is restricted because of their structure or something and you're able to release tension, like it might help with a, a breathing problem, but it's yeah. not necessarily caught or, you, or uh, curing their... Get thrown onto a rock and twist C4, <clears throat> four, 5, no, 5, 6, and 7. Or if some and, asshole uh, lands between your neck and shoulder because you tackled them wrong. Yeah, like, I'm shocked about... Personal experiences here, I don't... <laughs> Black belt test, no, brown belt test, excuse me. Working with a black belt candidate got yeah. thrown onto a rock and twisted three vertebrae. <laughs> oh, damn. Felt awesome trying to get through Monday until my, dot, or the uh, Matt or Joel, I can't remember who I saw, was back in the office. Uh-huh. Walked in there kind of hobbling like an old man with a cane and I'm like, what happened? I fell on a freaking rock. I'm like, oh, <laughs> come here. But yeah. hmm. do, you, do you see a lot of uh, movement the other way? Like, um, 
uh, medical practitioners sending people your guys' way, like, as... So, like, people, like, GPs and stuff like yeah, that sending... I don't, you know, I don't have a relationship with really any medical doctors in the okay. area right now, so I don't get them to send to me. Um, but uh, one of my mentors, um, and I've experienced this, is, like... a. Gonstead chiropractic practices are often built on medical failures. So something that's outside of a medical doctor's wheelhouse that they can't help with um, is something that we oftentimes can. Okay. We can oftentimes get some uh, really good results based on that. Um, I've got a patient who was having a lot of gut health issues. Um, she'd gone medical route a whole bunch of times found some um and they couldn't figure it out uh she came into me um i sent her for an x-ray saw what i thought the problem was treated that and it got a lot better now it when things get out of whack out of place they come back um but right now this particular uh patient is doing a exercise program that I had written for her as well to specifically target and strengthen that area so hopefully she'll have to come to me less and less in the future do you, awesome. do you foresee the two fields um, kind of working together more in the future especially we're kind of our generations at the point it's almost like a changing of the guard the the post baby baby boomer generation is now coming to the retirement age we're moving in to fill those spots Especially, you know, at least in the circles that I follow, the public perception of prescribed opioids seems to be changing more and more. Well, it's a um, well just fun. give people heroin. I mean, <laughs> well, way cheaper. And then you get morphine <laughs> to get them off the heroin. Yeah. Do you, but do you see the AMA and chiropractic worlds kind of working more in conjunction 20, 30 plus years down the road from now? I sure hope so. Um, as you guys said earlier, like Mayo Clinic's taking chiropractors on. That's huge. Mm -hmm. um, with the current insurance... Um, Debacle, I think, is the right word. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> word. Um, it becomes a lot more appealing to go to a chiropractor to spend $35 to uh, try to take care of something than go to a medical doctor to right. spend... $450. As long as you're going to the right <laughs> like chiropractor. chiropractor. Correct. I just said, like, Correct. that's the only reason I've been to a chiropractor. I cracked two ribs, and it was cheaper to go to a chiropractor for x-rays than it was. And I think, at, yeah. Well, and uh, I think, like, at least from the public perception, at least mine, it's, that's that's the problem, is you have to find the right chiropractor. There's, mm -hmm. there's yes. not a, there's not, like, a true governing body that's making sure that they're but all even with even with a governing body, like, the same is true of... GPs. Yes, but it, you know, you have your, to find your, the odd, right your odds become a lot yes, higher yes. when you have that governing body. There and, are, there and that's, are a lot of and your and your and your trust level goes yes. up. And that's one of the beautiful and frustrating things about chiropractic is there's so many different systems. You have to find the one that's going to work best for you. Um, so what I do may not be best for what your issue is. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I'm going to be able to help most people. They say 80% of... I'll drop my other fidget. Another one here. Don't worry. We'll just keep five of our fidgets. <laughs> Carlos is sitting on DOO, and so there's plenty of... He fidgets here. enough. Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> Did you just have, like, a collection uh, of spinners? Yeah. Well, no, so the problem with spinners and cubes and stuff is they make noise. That's true. Yeah. 
Can't Super. have that with the microphones. This little cap works fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the beautiful thing and you know tough thing is there's so many different types. What works best for some people might not work best for others. Like I said, um, but. They say that like 80% of people are going to get better with anything you do. Uh, you could hit someone in the back with a frying pan. Um, this is a misquote by, I'm going to misquote BJ Palmer here. Um, so DDU Palmer was the founder of chiropractic. Um, BJ Palmer, his son, was considered the um, developer of chiropractic. Uh, his quote was... Um, you're going to get 80% of the people better by hitting them in the back with a frying pan. <laughs> so, because it's going to create some sort of changes. So my goal is to affect that other 20%. Um, yeah, I want to help the 80% too, but I want to help that other 20% who maybe hasn't gotten help elsewhere. Have you thought about installing just a spinning frying pan in your <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. I'm going to give everything a shot once. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's... And the... Um, Wisconsin actually has kind of two uh, governing bodies. They have the um, specific Wisconsin board, but then there's another one that they're constantly kind of going back and forth with, uh, and they have different philosophical views. Um, one of them is pushing to give... Uh, Wisconsin chiropractors prescription rights mm -hmm. under the idea that it makes it easier for us to help people get off of some of these prescriptions that they um, don't necessarily need but then the other problem is as soon as we get those rights are we just going to not just going to but are we going to become um, more closely related to medical doctors and osteopaths who osteopaths started out much more similar to chiropractors mm. and then became um, basically another type of medical doctor so there's kind of that but that I mean challenge. you're yeah. like <clears throat> isn't the eventual goal to be considered on the same level as medical like I mean as far as chiropractic as a whole like you want that to be just considered another form of medicine Depends. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So, again, this is back to um, do we want to – I don't know. This is a tough one because the way I see it, we're on the same level uh, um, treatment-wise, but – sorry, I'll keep close to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, like, we – we don't want to we want to stay different we want to keep our uniqueness well you, well, you, you want to mm -hmm. keep your uniqueness but as far as trust from the American public and trust from and this is purely from an American standpoint but um, like having like uh, chiropractors brought into the Mayo Clinic and stuff like you want that like any anybody who works you know in there you you want that to be part of the medical practice and yeah. and once you're part of the medical practice, it's easier to um, share data. It's easier mm. to refer each other to each other, and I feel like that opens up so many doors as far as studies and making things more uh, quote unquote legitimate. And that's where yeah. my conversation first started. If you remember, Carl, two years ago is 
my my original idea for the arena was to become a gym, but have chiropractors, physical therapists, massage therapists under the same roof would be able to refer people out to medical doctors and x-rays and such. Because when I injured my shoulder, I'm going between the medical doctor, mm-hmm. the shoulder specialist, the x-ray tech, the chiropractor, the physical therapist. Well, and not well, the all other of them five, will agree and they right, won't right. talk to but each other. But they didn't talk to each other. And that's where mm-hmm. I'm like, what the, I don't know what this one said, but it kind of sounded like this in English. Mm-hmm. No, but, and so like. But, you, there, but if you're going between facility to facility and person to person, like it's the idea of having one under one or everyone under one roof is kind of interesting. Because. And I can come from that, like my dad, um, I grew up with a parent who makes uh, prosthetics and orthotics. Uh-huh. And so, he, you know, he's getting referrals from podiatrists, from doctors, from, and like our opinion, this is, is that like podiatrists are really, really, really eager to push surgery for a fix that can either be corrected by orthotics or potentially chiropractic work. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of interesting, the idea of having everybody under one house. Um, so, like, you're getting together, you're discussing your act, you're actually discussing your patient problems, you're, and seeing whose well, result is going to have more. So you ask, so you 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 gave that example of podiatrist <clears throat> wants to do surgery. Well, you ask a surgeon how to fix a problem, they're going to say surgery. Sur- right, exactly. Like, you, you ask uh, US GP, they're going to say medication. They're like, it's... Every uh, every tool is solved by a hammer. If the only right. or every problem is solved by a hammer, if the only tool you have, have is a hammer. hammer, right? Um, well, like, and there's so a lot the, of truth. It's in actually, that solved by duct tape. But. <laughs> no, no. But so the the more tools you have in your toolbox, which right. is yes, why exactly. I think like Mayo and those guys are bringing chiropractics in. Yeah. But if we can put them under the umbrella of mm-hmm. like as defined a, medical treatments, as a patient, my frustration was what I'm trying to translate what everybody else said. But I mean, I struggle enough with English, and then you try to throw medical terms in there I'm up shit's creek would Por you prefer like, like yeah <laughs> <laughs> no hobble English lady <laughs> Gordon converses more uh, more uh, diligently in grunts and groans yeah. than there's a reason his nickname is Groot <laughs> oh, a single word it's all about intonation so yeah that would that having them all under one roof um, in in that respect, the communication between them would be so much better. It would it would make everyone's job easier. Like you said, if if you first uh, if you go into a surgeon first to get an opinion on something, they're going to recommend surgery. If you go to a chiropractor first, they're going to recommend chiropractic treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's actually a bunch of research on that that shows if you first. Um, if your first experience for a back injury is with a chiropractor, you are, I think, 85 to 90 percent less likely to need surgery. If your um, first experience is with a surgeon, mm-hmm. it's like a 60 percent or someone who or a doctor that refers to a surgeon. Yeah. yeah. Then you're going to get surgery. When yeah. I injured my back the first time, that's like surgery. Oh, surgery, whatever. But then they show me the recovery time and like, here's everything that could go wrong. I'm like, right. Please tell me there's some other option. That's out there. Hu- I mean, like yeah. that, that's huge. I really, again, I am not a medical professional, but I grew up in this term. Like, I think surgery should really be a last resort well, and in so most cases. I think, I think the problem is, and again, personal experience <clears throat> is right now 
uh, chiropractics is uh, is in that holistic and that alternative medicine. Which you look at you look at the the term alternative medicine, mm-hmm. and that like that has homeopathy, that has acupuncture, that has the uh, what's what's the thing with little pots that essential oils suction the suction bullshit. Yeah. Like it has all of these things <laughs> that are complete horseshit, <laughs> and then you have chiropractics, which yep. actually has but some you, merit you, behind it. You don't it. need your uh, vaccinations if you just burn your essential oils every day. It's fine. I will <laughs> shoot you in the face. <laughs> yeah. So, Gordon, this is the last children. show on. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, it's been a good run. Uh, so that's where this is going. Yeah. Right. Gordon's now sarcasm. Sarcasm for the record. Rules of the Arena podcast does not support essential oils or not vaccinating your kids. Yeah, no, if you don't vaccinate, please don't listen. Yeah, there's another podcast out there for you, I'm sure. Vaccinations are out of my scope of practice. <laughs> that is the right answer. Um, anyway, but like, I just come at this from the, the point of view from the prosthetic side, like when you when you watch people who have had a dramatic prost or like physically altering. Surgery. Well, let's look at our guest uh, last week, Gordon. What was his name? Last week, yeah, Sydney um, something, Sydney Sydney Smith, yes, Sydney Smith. Uh, out of Utah, yes. triathlete, double A. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really bummed to miss that one. I was real. I was excited about that. Um, but like, which for the record, this is the most organized podcast he's ever been on. He hasn't been on that many podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know how to feel about that. Uh, anyway. Anyways, just simply my comment. Like I've seen a lot of people go through the ongoing. Like, regardless of lo- losing a limb, like that surgery can have all kinds of complications. Mm-hmm. You know, like your wound cannot heal. Your stump changes over time. Blah blah. Like it just. It's dramatic. And if if it's someone's first option like there's gotta be a most of the time if it's coming down to an amputation mm-hmm. that's well I, yeah, yeah. yeah only so I, I feel like we've completely but. derailed uh, <laughs> from where we were where we started Gordon what was the original question yes uh, <laughs> uh, I was gonna I actually uh, well I wanted to change gears here you know we've kind of beat the dead horse on the chiropractic side of things yeah. and derailed a half dozen times but <laughs> The business side. Makes it fun. Yeah. You started One Life Chiropractic yourself, correct? Or yep. did, you didn't buy an existing business no, from another doctor? Not. So why, you mentioned there's already two chiropractors in town. Yep. Why did you choose Prescott, Wisconsin? And there well, well two, first off, I suppose, why did you want to? I want to, there are two chiropract, two other chiropractors in Prescott? Yes. Four, four other doctors, two other businesses. Okay. I did not realize or Prescott was that doctors, big. Sorry, it's not. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like to me it's a stoplight and I mean, a bridge it, that I drive. Through. Well, it's yeah. a special brand. Of hey, crazy it's bigger for, than Ellsworth. <laughs> I don't go to Ellsworth. <laughs> I buy Ellsworth cheese curds elsewhere. <laughs> it, it takes a, a special brand of crazy for somebody to go. I want to throw caution to the wind and open up and my start own a business. Podcast. Yeah, this is very low risk <laughs> Sorry. Compared, comparatively. So this is what so, Ben's like when he gets drunk. What made you want to start your own you practice? See me Friday night, um, especially in today's market. I mean, it's fairly saturated, especially yeah. You know, with two other businesses already in town. So the main reason we chose Prescott is because my wife got a job teaching there. She's a kindergarten teacher, 
and we I'm want brave soul. You know, yeah, yeah. you are so good. Like. Yeah, she's. <laughs> How's nap time, by the way? <laughs> Is that delightful or it's, amazing? It's barely existent and not referred to as napping anymore. Actually, it's what? just a quiet downtime because kids refuse to nap. Okay, I think but she might be uh, one of your Once in a blue moon, they will <laughs> they will fall asleep, but not not typically. They're a little too excited. Tragedy. I miss it's, my oh. I miss my carpet square. I guess apparently it's been 25 years since I've had nap time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things have changed. <laughs> I just call it day drinking now. Yeah. <laughs> then falling asleep in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, so <laughs> she got her job there. We wanted to we wanted the simple live where we work um mm-hmm. where we live small town thing yeah so we just just Decided went for to give it, it a shot. Um, there was uh, another place that i was looking at working for um i spent a little bit of time with him and it just did not seem to be a good fit mm-hmm. um and i i wanted to do gonstead i wanted to do it my way um, and there aren't a ton of Gonstead practices, and there are even less who are looking to hire an associate. So it just, just seemed the best route uh, professionally and personally to take. Did your internships play any role into influencing you to want to start your own practice? Um... It's a good question. Uh, there actually, one of them was looking for an intern, um, and I was tempted on that, but that would have been on the north side of the cities, Oof. and I didn't want to. Yeah, I, I, my three years at grad school was enough to tell me I don't want to be or in the cities. You want to take the four ninety four six ninety four loop every day? Correct. Oh, especially, Ooh, especially with right the under now. Construction. So yeah. much fun. I've done it twice in the last month. Yeah. So. Um, shut up, shut up, shut up, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> both, both of the places I did internship at, they were both very supportive. Um, I still ask them questions you know, every, every other week or so about something I can do, how to change this, what to, what to do. So they, they definitely supported me starting my own um, and have been awesome to help assist me with it. Mm-hmm. Of course, being grad school being as cheap as it is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how did you go about finding the funding to start an own, your own practice? I mean, did you do a business loan or did you go to investors? Uh, yes, my dad gave me three thousand dollars, um, and I started it with that. Nice. And so, so after the first semester, what did you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but. Every semester was you know, thirteen thousand for school. It's not terrible. So I'm I'm fortunate that I do not live an extravagant lifestyle. Um, I had some friends who took out the max loan, so that was you know the tuition plus however much for living. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some friends who took that much out, and then by the end of the semester couldn't afford to buy food. Um, whereas I took out about 3000 less each semester um, because, like I said, I fed myself on $3 a day. I don't go out. I didn't go out and party. Um, 
three nights a week, four nights a week. Yeah. I was say, my student movies bought me a lot of beer. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wait, those were supposed to go to classes? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you always knew when loan disbursement day was because everybody was at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> did you... Did you move into an existing building, or did you buy it and lease, or do you own? Ooh, that's at? a good question. So, dovetailing yeah. off of that, what does your practice like look like? What's the? Is it in your home? Do you rent a business or rent a storefront? Do you? I would love to have it in my home, but I'd have to have a separate entrance for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I'm in the old Jake Seed Building in Prescott. It's now called the Power Building. Um, so, like right downtown? Nope, it's okay. actually in the middle of town. Um, it's a big brown building. There's a Shangri-La salon is in there. Um, there's a seamstress in there. Seems like new. Uh, so if I'm coming from the north, this is a one-stop shop down the yeah, hill. You the get dance, the dance studios Ooh, in there. Right. You get hyper local here. If I'm yeah. coming from the north and you come down the hill, <laughs> you come to the intersection and the bridge is off to the right. Would you? Would I be going left then? Yep, you'd go left oh, okay, up yeah, the hill, yep. okay. um, and then you'd have to take another left when you hit the. I don't know how familiar you are, but local jokes get you local work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I want local work. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know where uh, the Dollar General is in town? So if you know where the Dollar General is, we'd right down that street. Um, we're on a street that kind of splits the now intermediate school and elementary school. Um, it's pretty easy to find. Most people who live in Prescott for a while know the old Jake Seed building. Gordon's best at finding the remedial school. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's a pretty easy easy to find. Most people in town know the old Jake Seed building or know where Stella dances. And so you said you got a loan from your dad to get the business started. Did yep. he make you present any kind of business plan to him or? Nope. Lucky. I, yeah. <laughs> the I, beauty I, of working with parents. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told them what I needed. So um, he bought me a computer. He paid for like my first month's rent. What else did I get with that? Table. Table. Hmm. Yeah. I'd, I'd had, yeah, the... Um, Actually, the high-low table, I bought that from Kevin, um, who got it from his chiropractor, and then I had that refurbished. So that's was mostly that the big, it the big brown one? It's brown now. Um, it, it was used, red. It, yeah, it used to be red. I don't think he had it too long. Leather or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I just remember that he had this massive Cadillac-sized table that hmm. took up a quarter of the damn garage for a few months. Yep, that was that. With the broken wire. Yep. On the, oh, so what was that yep, one? that one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I well, moved it once, and then I'm like, next time I touch it, it's going in the burn pile. <laughs> it looks yeah. much better now. Yep, I got it refurbished. I uh, had a guy come out and take care of that, and he did a fantastic job. So a table from the 1970s is still going strong. That's pretty cool. Solid. Going yeah. through opening, you know, getting the business open and then the first, you know, say six months. I mean, did you have anyone that you could lean on and kind of talk to uh, that had any experience going through this? Like any old internships, you know, the docs that you worked with? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I've been in contact with them. Um, Woody helped me quite a bit. Jeff helped me quite a bit. Um, yeah, they both. They both made a huge difference helping me get going, uh, telling me what kind of things I need to do, um, what kind of things helped. 
Um, yeah, what else? So I started the business. Uh, I actually started renting from a lady who owns, it's called the Golden Lotus Healing, well, it's Love, it used to be the Golden Lotus Healing Center. She now changed the name to Love Embodied. Uh, she does energy healing. Um, I don't fully understand it. She had some cool results. Uh, but the spot that I was eyeing um, ended up coming available. So I ended up moving just down the hall from where I was within the same building. And all the spaces are split up. Um, by like individual offices so right now I have four offices that are all connected and I just have some doors going from one to the next to to work out of and so now do you work alone in your office or are you running you know the one man with many hats or have you hired any employees on it is just me um, my mom comes and cleans sometimes <laughs> which is fantastic uh, my wife comes down and Yells at me to clean and then cleans herself, <laughs> which is also fantastic. Jeez, my mom is going to do it on Wednesday, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, yeah, mostly, mostly just me down there. Being a new business, you said two years now you've yep. been in practice, and I know I did ran into this when I was painting houses for a living. Have you ever had those days, weeks, or even months where you're just kind of pinching pennies looking at the bills coming in like, asking yourself how the hell am I gonna get through this absolutely um, yeah absolutely I actually ended up looking for a part-time job um, about what, six months after uh, so I opened in March of 2017 in October of 2017 I ended up getting a long-term sub position at the elementary school as a special ed aide um, and I can I continue that, so I still work as a special ed aide a couple of days a week. I absolutely love it. I love working with those kids, um, but that helps to uh, cover the well. It helped cover the car payment. Um, just paid that off. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> and you know, cover the day to day living expenses. The business so far has been able to support itself. I haven't haven't had to put anything extra into that. Um, so always, always looking and then we both coach track so you know that brings in a little bit more I uh, run the concession stands at the home basketball and volleyball games so that helps a little bit more um, I they just changed the uh, the weight room position that I've been doing to a strength and conditioning coach which I applied for that um, for the fall so We'll see when that becomes official if I end up with that position as well. But I always look. Plus, I I love being involved in the schools. It's a lot of fun to work with those kids and get to know those kids and get to know their families. And of course, being as a business owner, I mean, sorry, I've I've dealt with it, uh, the tax side of things, you know, and trying to balance a budget every month. I mean, how hard was it for you to try to navigate? the tax laws as a chiropractor because it's your business and then of course keeping per, you know the personal side of things separate from that and do you go through an accountant or are you doing all that yourself so we have an accountant that we file our taxes with each year uh, Gene Champlin out of Prescott um, it's actually the taxes part is pretty easy right now 
uh, because my business just it's a I have a single member LLC so it just counts as a um, part of my taxes with that uh, so we just have to do our personal taxes there and then um, the sales taxes they send because I don't make a ton off of sales right now uh, about the only things I sell are supplements and I have some uh, um, like an icy hot type lotion that I sell uh, that I like a little Is bit better a, uh, biofreeze by chance nope okay. um, it's actually called something better Gordon yeah it's <laughs> it it's a really I've used biofreeze before and it's a low bar yeah I, I don't mind biofreeze but this stuff is uh, it's called tox out um, it's made by a guy I think over in Buffalo Minnesota and he takes the ingredients on it are like uh, peppermint essential oil, eucalyptus essential oil, uh, menthol essential oil, uh, carbomir, um, which is like the lotion-y stuff that it's in. And I really like that stuff. It's smoother than um, BioFreeze. It doesn't turn my hands blue, which BioFreeze would do. <laughs> uh, so I can use it quite a bit. Um, and it lasts a little bit longer. So it's something that I really like. I have quite a few people who... It's a mix between a menthol it. cigarette and a mojito. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> like, I quit smoking a long time ago, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> now, did grad school help you kind of prepare for the business side of this or was the focus point or did you take any classes to try to supplement that in there was a business class every semester throughout um i it gave you some good things it didn't cover everything uh it didn't cover some of the stuff that i think was more important looking at it now on how to do um but it did cover quite a bit it covered how to how to like one of the big things was how to talk to patients um and just how to build that like you don't think of those little things like writing your scripts which i haven't technically written them down but you know writing your scripts talking about how to how to say okay this is how we should pro uh, proceed moving forward um it talked he went into some different ideas for marketing but it was always just kind of touching uh, didn't really dive deep into any specific things. So it was a really good outline. Um, There's some things like uh, working with insurance companies I wish you would have gone into a little bit deeper. Um, I Is still, there any class out there that can prepare you for that? Because that seems to be a common theme amongst chiropractors and physical therapists I've talked to. Yeah. Hard knocks. No, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. <clears throat> I even if you were prepared for it, the insurance companies change their rules so yep. frequently that... Yep, and I I don't... Right now, I don't take insurance. Um, I'll take Medicare, and I'll take people uh, who have HSAs, uh, but... Just it, health savings account for... Yes. Yeah, yep. Um, but I, I'm working on figuring out how to do this whole insurance game, but the, the goal was to... Like you learn that in your internship, um, and the one clinic I was at was really big. Uh, he actually, they actually have a medical clinic as well. So, or they did have a medical clinic as well. So some of it was uh, like it, 
I didn't get a chance to get up and see when they did the billing and when they did worked with the insurance companies. And then the other one I was at was small. Um, it was just husband and wife, and they gave me some help on it. They certainly had they had me call a couple times, but uh, they were so set in doing doing it how they're comfortable with that, uh, and that just didn't get a ton of hands-on experience with it. Um, which, you you yeah. mentioned marketing. Um, so how much marketing have you done to and try to draw in new patients to you? Because, like you said, there's already two offices in in town. So, what are you doing anything to try to separate yourself or sell yourself in this case? Most of my marketing is actually word of mouth. Um, my goal is just get people better um, and let it spread that way i'll do i'll do some facebook campaigns um i was the saint croix current um was a paper that ran up and down the saint croix um and i did a monthly article in that uh they're no longer printing um so i haven't been doing that for a little while uh but that was always fun it was a great way to get my name out um being involved in the schools being involved in the communities helps quite a bit uh, every year we do a float in the Prescott Days Parade and we always we try to give away something fun at that so the first year we gave away a bunch of magnets uh, don't throw candy at kids because you can't do that anymore correct. right we have to <laughs> hand it um, you just throw it at the ground they no you it. can't do that either <laughs> we had a big old safety prep on that when I was in a parade a few yeah. years back yeah. Yeah. Uh, last year we sent we gave a uh, um, bracelets, little like scazes, if you understand that South Park reference. <laughs> um, and then this year, I th- right now, can we give this away? What we're planning on doing? I don't know. I don't want to disappoint if we can't get it. Okay. Well, we have something fun planned for this year. <laughs> um, Hoping for, we always hope for stuff that entices the little kids. They're the ones at the parade. They're the reason the families are there. So kids bring stuff home that says the business logo and that helps a little bit so if people want to know what you're like going to do is there somewhere that they can follow you online and figure it out like no come to the parade (laughs) come to the Prescott Days Parade if you're not local (laughs) fuck you (laughs) (laughs) we recommend being at the uh, first half of the parade Um, last year we gave out a thousand of those wristbands um, and we ran out of those about three quarters of the way through. We had one lady at the end of the parade who kind of chewed us out for not having something for her at the she end. She just really wanted your bracelet. Yeah. Did you tell her to write a check for another box? <laughs> <laughs> also, why is an adult woman berating you for not getting a free thing at a parade? I, I, Dude, they're going to small town parades. Was you, her name you Karen? You go to parades to get things. <laughs> free things. I, I, think I guess was... I haven't been to a parade in years because the bar's <laughs> empty during the parade so you can get primos. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was just kind of upset that everyone else had run out before and we were kind of towards the end of the parade. So. Last straw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see more ROI or return on investment from the social media marketing or from doing being involved in the community with like the parade and such or word of mouth marketing? Both. So I've noticed that when I do more stuff on Facebook, um, I tend to have more people call in. I don't know if that's uh, specific to those or if it's just the 
now that I'm thinking about it, energy, they're thinking about it, or if it's, um, I don't know there, but uh, being out in the community, I, I think definitely helps more because uh, I get a lot of time to talk with different people, um, just being this super awesome, enjoyable person that I am seems to help. Reminds um, me of my co-host. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of split. I think I think putting it on Facebook more just kind of keeps it in people's minds more, just more of that brand recognition. They can see it more. Um, but when I was doing that, the, um, the St. Croix Current monthly thing, I'd have people come up to me who had no idea who they were, and they'd you know, start talking to me like they knew me and say, oh, I saw your article in the paper and it was great and I learned this. I didn't know that was something. So it it kind of goes both ways. Both ways definitely help. Um, and do you get a lot of referrals from patients that you've worked with? Yeah. Are they? Yeah. That's, that's most of what my, that's most, like I said, most of my marketing is word of mouth. Um, most of it is people who I've helped who think highly of me for some reason and uh send people in Mm -hmm. and you said that you know your goal is to help somebody so to the point where they don't need to come back to you quite as correct do you see any return patients is coming back for the routine kind of maintenance work yeah i have i just have i have a couple people who like to do that they'll schedule something monthly or um every so often i have one person who i think is doing every three months now um, and he said, uh, he, when he first came in, he had really bad low back stuff. Um, I think we took it three times and he was good to go. Um, but he wanted to set up, uh, just every couple months just to prevent it from getting to where it was mm-hmm. that first time. Um, but, but really most people I had, I had someone else who was doing that too. And she goes like, I, she said, I had to do this with the previous chiropractor I went to and I loved it, but now I don't need to. She did it monthly at first. And then she goes, well, it, I don't need to come in that much anymore. So it's now just whenever she wants to, most of the time it's when people feel like they need to come in again. And of course, you know, since you you both have your seem to have your fingers in different cookie jars, you know, what do you do when you're not at the office? You're not working. I mean, do you schedule in, or do you try to find time to just relax and not have to be on the clock somewhere? Uh, the summer has been fantastic for that. So coming off the track season, um, when we're going from seven thirty, uh, if I had a patient before school, seven in the morning until. 10 11 o'clock at night um it there was just constant there really wasn't much time to just in, enjoy <laughs> um now that we hit summer um and especially now that summer school is done because emily was teaching that um now now we have time where every night this summer we've sat and watched a movie um unless we've had unless i've had a patient who's needed to come in in the evening um it's it's been awesome just finally being able to have some downtime, relax. We'll take a vacation. Actually, here in a see each weeks. other once in a while. <laughs> yeah. We see each other a lot. We just don't talk as much. Yeah. <laughs> We're Bye always on. at the same place, but communication yeah. isn't always. But doing different things. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I know we might have 
painted a little bit of a negative picture uh, on the grad school portion, but if there's anyone listening that's looking at possibly going to school to become a chiropractor, is there any advice you'd offer them? Yeah. <laughs> um, do the five years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before you do um, decide to go, make sure to check out. It, it's not so much on the school side because I mean, chiropractic school is good. Like, don't don't let the kind of joking negative talks that we've had uh, uh, influence you in not going. Um, but what I'd recommend is going to check out as many different clinics as you can because. Uh, we said there's over 150 different name techniques and within each of those techniques a, a lot of people will do it slightly different to adapt to uh you know whether it's their whether their body type whether their philosophies whether their you know morals for how they like to do things um so check out a whole bunch of different clinics uh you might go to one clinic that totally turns you off uh but then you go to the next one and you're absolutely amazed you love it just get out there and check out different places. Most doctors are going to be more than happy to have you come in and, and shadow and learn from them and pass on some, some information, some help, some knowledge that they may have. And would you recommend, so someone that's getting or about to leave grad school, would you recommend opening up their own practice and starting from scratch? Or would you say, go work for someone and then maybe go that route of opening your own or let's look at buying the business down the road when that doctor wants to retire? Uh, that That's a super tough one. Um, again, it's, it's tough to find someone who mends perfectly with your philosophies. And if you're going to go work for someone, you want to make sure that you have at least a very similar view, a uh, very similar practice style. Um, for some people, some people don't want to own a clinic. They don't want to own a business. I now that I own one, I do not blame them one little bit. Um, <laughs> the The business part is not the fun part. The fun part is spending time with patients, getting to know them, helping them. Uh, so it, it's really all about the individual. Um, I have one of my best friends from chiropractic school, who was my study buddy all the way through. Um, he went to work for. I think it's called Northern Wellness Chiropractic in the cities. Um, and he absolutely loves it. He's loves the people that he works with, loves what he's doing. And that's great that he found something that works so well for him. Um, and I have other ones who went out and they started theirs right away. They knew what they wanted to do right away. It, it's all about the individual and what what their vision is and what they think, what they feel. And last but not least, of course, if anyone's listening that wants to get in touch with you, maybe come visit you at your practice, uh, what's the best way they can find you either online or your physical location? What's your address? Uh, physical location is 720 St. Croix Street, uh, Suite 110 in Prescott, Wisconsin, the old Jake Seed building, uh, the building where Stella dances, the building where uh, Shangri-La Salon is. Um, uh, on Facebook, they can find us at uh, at One Life Prescott. Uh, phone number is 715-262-2086. Um, I think that's covers it. Ben, Casey, do you, do you guys have any more questions? Perfect. 
Well, thank you again, Carl and Emily, for taking time out of your evening to come down yeah. on the show. And thank you for everyone for tuning in. Stay up to date with future guests and episodes by following the show on Facebook, Instagram, Vero, all under Rules of the Arena podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitch where you can tune into the show and join the conversation live. Just head over to twitch.tv slash rules of the arena where you can find this episode and all others under blindninjastudios.com slash ROA. Also available for download and streaming on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and CastBox. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can watch live recordings of previous episodes. If you'd like to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do help out. Uh, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also support the show directly by heading to patreon.com slash rules of the arena podcast. I just have a couple ways you can help out there. And if you'd like to get a hold of me directly, please shoot me an email to roapodcastinfo at gmail.com. Thanks again, folks, and we will catch you next time.